Hi guys and welcome back to Gospel's Podcast. Today is day four of our post an episode every day. Okay, so I have a confession. Yesterday I failed. <laughs> I failed to post an episode yesterday, y'all. I tried, I tried, I tried, and I failed. But that's okay. We're going to get back up and try again. So I tried to post an episode every day this week in celebration of uh, Easter being Sunday. So uh, it is Thursday, April 9th, 2020. And on yesterday I did not post but today I will double upload an episode so let's just jump right into it today I want to discuss the last supper God's goals God's goals recentering our focus on Christ Most of us pretty much know the story of the Last Supper. This is the Last Supper that Jesus is having with his disciples before his betrayal, before his crucifixion, right? And he's sharing a last meal with some of the people that walked closest uh, to him. We also see um, he is washing their feet and still teaching them lessons. But then the dinner takes a turn, okay? Because Jesus just lets it all out. Let's go to John 13 to a new one. It says, Jesus was deeply troubled. And he exclaimed, I tell you the truth. One of you will betray me. Well, that goes the meal. <laughs> right? He says, one of you will betray me. Can you imagine sitting at a dinner with people that are closest to you and finding out that one of you guys is a betrayer and we don't know who it is so of course that changes the whole vibe right now jesus had just taught a letter about uh taught a lesson about washing feet and be and serving others but then he busted out with this you know somebody's gonna betray me and everybody like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> again guys i am paraphrasing Please, please, please understand this is paraphrasing. That's why I'm actually giving the scripture so that you can go and read it word for word for yourself. Uh, but I am paraphrasing a bit, but you know, for story purposes, but the basis of it is what we're reading here. So let's go to verse 23 and it says the disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Now that's assuming to be John. Verse 24 says, Simon Peter motioned to him to ask who he was talking about. So the disciple leaned over to Jesus. This is John, right? Leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus responded, it is the one to whom I give the bread. I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas. Bam. We figured it out just like that, who it was. When he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas. So it's revealed that Judas is the betrayer. And although it, Jesus basically does tell them who he's talking about, the disciples don't put two and two together. Let's look at uh, what happens after Jesus says it's Judas. Um, verse 27 says, When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. 
Then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought that Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. So Judas left at once going out into the night. Nobody suspected anything because Judas was a treasurer. He was the one that kept the money in the group, right? He kept the money, he, he organized the money and divvied and whatever else. So they assumed that when Jesus was talking to him and telling him to hurry and go do what you're going to do, that he was going to handle business, financial business, regarding the food or maybe someone that needed something. And in actuality, Jesus was telling him, hurry and do what you have to do as far as betraying him. Betraying him. So sometimes we have to uh, make sure our positions don't cause us to do evil. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's a treasurer is evil, but I'm saying in this instance, it's ironic that Judas was a treasurer and he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He betrayed Jesus for, he treasured money enough to betray someone that he was close to, some uh, inner circle that people would have killed for it, would have died for it, to be close to Jesus. But he chose these 12 disciples, uh, Judas being one of them, and also Judas being the one uh, to betray him. So, like I said, sometimes, you know, we have to make sure that position or what we value, which was money, uh, for Judas, uh, doesn't cause us to uh, do evil. Let's go to Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, and that's the NIV version, right? I've been reading from the NLT version, but that was from the NIV version. Um... So it says where we, what the things that we treasure is where our heart is. Our heart should be with God. So that's the first thing we should treasure. Now, I'm not trying to sit here and act like we're all perfect and we don't place a lot of value in things. And sometimes it becomes idolatry by what we place so much value and hold so true to ourselves. But nevertheless, whatever we value it's what we really, whatever we treasure, it's where our heart is. It's what, you know, it's where our heart is. So we just have to be careful where our heart is. At the moment with Judas, his heart was with those 30 pieces of silver and not Jesus. And Jesus was way more valuable than those 30 pieces of silver. But it's not until later that he realizes that. Let's see. Let's go back to Matthew 27, I believe. And we see that Judas has a change of heart. So it says, uh, Matthew 27, 3 says, When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. He was seized with remorse. Wow. Four says, I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. Now, ain't that something? (laughs) 
You wanted my help and I was supposed to help you with your problem. Your problem was Jesus, right? Their problem was Jesus and Judas. They wanted Judas to help uh, him them find Jesus and betray Jesus and get catch Jesus up into something so they can so they can crucify him and get rid of Jesus. And now Judas is saying, you know what? I changed my mind. This was wrong. And they said, that's not our problem. That, that, that ain't what's it to us? Hmm. Hmm. I'm not gonna touch on that, but you know, watch out the ones that you make a sacrifice for. Because if their heart is not in the right place and they're, you're making sacrifices for the wrong people or the wrong things, what you get in return is a, what is that to us? Okay, now I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm going to leave it alone for this podcast. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Okay, so they basically told me, you know, what's the two us? That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hung himself. Man. So in the end, he did see it wasn't worth it. Unfortunately, it was too late, right? Because Jesus had already been, you know, the, it was it was going and he had betrayed. It's just a lot. But uh, I mean, I'm not one to say if it was too late for his soul. That's that is God is the judge of everything. But in in the instance of Jesus being betrayed, he had already done that and they had gotten what they wanted, which is why they had told him, you know, what is it to us? You know, they got what they wanted. So they didn't care about how he felt or his remorse or his change of heart. At that point, they had gotten what they wanted and that was all they cared about. So, um, so that, that's one thing right there. We got Judas, we got him in his position as treasurer and him treasuring the money and ultimately led to the betrayal of Jesus but even knowing all those things right even though Jesus knew that somebody was at the table with him someone that had walked with him and that was close with him had betrayed him knowing that he was going to have to endure so much uh, suffering later on um, on the cross and during the trial he still took a moment uh, to teach his disciples some more lessons let's go to John 13 verse 34 so now i'm giving you a new commandment love each other just as i have loved you you should love each other your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples how how does jesus love because he's telling us to love each other just as he had loved us or in this instance he's still at the supper and he's telling his, his disciples look i'm giving you a new commandment love each other just as i have loved you and you should love each other and that's how the world will know that you are my disciples not just because they was like hey them those people that was walking with jesus but because of the way you love each other so before we get so deep into that let's let's try to take it apart just a little bit and say how does jesus love how did Jesus love? So we all know how to love each other. Now, I don't have all the answers. Jesus loved so well. He loved so many different ways. It's really hard to pinpoint out just a few, but I'll try to pull some. But we know Jesus is the ultimate picture of love. His actions were the ultimate actions of love. So it's hard to pull, you know, a few, but I'll try. So let's look at uh, the first thing. We know that he sacrificed, right? He sacrificed. 
If we look at John 14 and 30, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. Did you hear what he said? He has no power over me. Can you imagine giving in to somebody that you technically have power over? That you technically have power over or has no power over you and allowing them to put you on trial, beat you, disrespect you, and they have no power. And then could you imagine doing that for someone who did deserve it and you didn't? You're perfect. You didn't deserve it. But you're doing it for someone that definitely did deserve what you're about to get. Right? Because the wages of sin is death. So without Jesus, right, the death that he did, the death he took for us, that could have been our death. Except it would have been in hell. So Jesus took not only on um, our sin and he did it when he didn't have to. He said, they have no power over me, but I will do what my father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the father. Come, let's be going. So that was a sacrifice. We see that he is, he, he was willing to sacrifice, rather he was willing to do the father's will. That was a sacrifice. That was one of the sacrifices. He did so many. He did so many. Let's look at Matthew 26. Uh, Matthew 26. Let's start at verse 36. So Matthew 26, 36. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So it's not like Jesus didn't have any feelings. This, he was overwhelmed. He, it, was, it was getting to him. It was getting to him. And we know a lot of times as humans, as people, our feelings get the best of us. We're like, well, I don't feel like doing that. I can't. My feelings are too hurt. I'm too angry with that person to forgive them. I can't go there with that person. I can't love them after they did this to me. But we see that Jesus eventually pushes past those feelings and does what he has to do, which is something that we can't always say that we do. Okay, so there's that sacrifice again. He sacrificed his feelings. And how he felt in his overwhelmness to make sure God's will was done. And ultimately, that was for us, right? Okay, so um, 30 verse 39 says, Going a little further, he fell to his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. So there we see him pushing past those personal feelings. We know he had feelings. He's asking, Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. But he still says, yet not as I will, but as you will. So there we see Jesus making, Jesus made so many more sacrifices. But for sure we see in those two instances that that was a pure sacrifice of him. Being on a cross, dying on a cross. And even without that, we know who Jesus is. Jesus is God, right? He is Lord. He has all power. So we know he did not have to die. He did it for us. 
He did it for us. He had all power. And no one had power over him. He let mere, mere humans disrespect, beat, spit, and crucify him. Betray him. Do all type of things to him. So uh, he not only taught us about sacrifice, but he talk, taught us about humility. Right? Here's another one. He, he loved... Um, his love had forgiveness. His love was with forgiveness, right? Because even in the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Even in the midst of being, even on deathbed, even, you know, even in his hard situation after they disrespected him, after they had hurt them, he still was asking his father to forgive them. Man, that type of love. That's a different type of love. So we see in John 8, a woman is caught in the act of adultery and some of the Pharisees uh, are bringing her to Jesus trying to see how he's going to handle the situation, trying to kind of trying to get to him, kind of trick him and all that stuff. So they bring him, bring the woman to Jesus to see how Jesus wants to handle everything. Right. So um, they say, teacher. So we're in John 8, 4 it says, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her what do you say so even here in, in verse 6 it says they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger they kept the man in answers so he stood up and said again alright but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone he said okay we can stone him so Everybody that want a stone, if you haven't seen, picked it up. Anybody that has not seen can cast the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until, the own, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. So nobody qualified for that. Remember, he said, sure, you can stone her, but whoever hadn't seen cast the first stone. Nobody qualified for that, for, to, to, to do that job, to cast the first stone. So everybody kind of just walked away. They lost that battle, but everybody kind of walked. So who do we have left? We have Jesus and the woman left. And so let's see what happened. Verse 10, John 8, verse 10. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So there's that forgiveness that we're talking about. His love carries forgiveness. So how did Jesus love? We know he loved. He sacrificed. We know he forgave, even with the woman at the well. Right? He offered her living water. He offered her himself, even though he knew what she was doing and he knew her past. So there's that forgiveness we were talking about. How did Jesus love? He forgave. He forgave. He let stuff go. He didn't bring up what other people did in the past and what you used to do, how you used to act. That's why I can't love you. Because da -da 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 -da. that's not the way he loved. Now, does he have an expectation for a change after he's forgiven? Of course. Of course, and we should want to, right? But the point is, is that he forgave. And some of us have a hard time doing that, especially when we've been wrong and offended. It's hard for us to forgive. Again, we see over and over again, Jesus chooses us even despite our past. Jesus chose Peter. And because even Peter confessed, 
uh, in Luke 5 and 8, uh, it says, when Peter realizes what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. So he admitted to Jesus before Jesus even well, Jesus had already chose him, but he admitted that he was a sinful man and Jesus cho still chose him to be in his inner circle, to be a leader of his church. And um, so we see that a part of Jesus' love is definitely uh, to forgive or forgiveness. Uh, we saw that he taught in John 13 in the beginning. We saw that Jesus' love included service when he washed his disciples' feet. Okay, and so going over everything, um, the little things that we can pull, because again, as I said before, Jesus' love is, it surpasses what we can even comprehend. But just to pinpoint out some things, we saw that it included sacrifice. We know that he was the ultimate sacrifice on the cross for our sins so that we may have eternal life. We know that um, it included forgiveness. We know that it included service. We know that it included humility. So those are some of the things and qualities that our love should include. And the reason why he wanted us to love the way he loved. And like I said, that's just a part of how he loved. But the reason why we should at least try to strive for those things or try to strive for the way he loved, period, was because we know that this world doesn't love like that. This, this world's love is conditional. This world's love can be, or so say love can be, um, unforgiving, um, arrogant, right? Um, conditional, I think I just said that. So um, it is not like his love. So when we love someone the way that Jesus loved, then we are showing something totally different. And then again, that causes people to say, well, what makes so-and-so love that person the way they do? What makes them forgive the way they do? What makes them sacrifice and serve that person even though they don't have to? What, what, what is that, you know? And so he is telling them, everything I've shown you up until this point, everything I've done, you've walked with me, I've taught you, this is how I want you to love. And you love this way to show the world that you are my disciples. So then the question comes up of um, where Jesus is going. So we see in John 13, 36, Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. Um, so Peter is, he ain't too happy with the answer. So he says, but why can I come now, Lord? He asks, I'm ready to die for you. Jesus gives Peter a harsh truth. He said, die for me. I tell you the truth. Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Sometimes we think we're ready for something, but we're really not. It doesn't mean that we'll never be ready. It just means that we're not ready at the time. And that is the situation right here with Peter. What he feels like he's ready for, or what he say he's ready for, he really is not ready in the moment for that. He really is not. And we'll see that he does end up betraying Jesus like he said. Like, well, he doesn't 
portraying Jesus like Jesus said he would. Later, Peter becomes a pillar in the early church. So, just because we're not ready in a moment doesn't mean we won't ever be ready. So, Jesus really taught so much. This little snippet really doesn't do it justice. But so many things stood out in that story um, from teaching them how to love to kind of teaching Peter that what you think you're ready for, you're really not ready for. So guys, I hope that I didn't ramble too much on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to God's Goals Podcast. I don't want to end the podcast without offering Christ to any one of my listeners. Um, Romans 10 and 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. There's more things to building up your spiritual walk and making that change. But the first step, confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Okay, so I have a podcast out called It's a Gift. Go to that podcast and it goes into more details about receiving that gift and and tools um, that you can use along the way as you strengthen your spiritual journey. I guarantee you accepting Christ will be the best thing you ever did. Go to that podcast and listen to it and get some information there. Okay. Thank you guys again for listening. See you next time. Bye. God's goals, recentering our focus on Christ.